feel like a, a guest when I come here. I really feel as though I'm coming home. Actually, for me, I need to come about an hour and a half earlier so I could just get round talking to everybody and saying hi. But I do know there are a lot of uh, new faces here who won't know me. So my name is Steve Young. Um, I'm part of the leadership here at Tick Kings. I lead the Bexhill venue, so that's where I am on a, a normal Sunday morning. But I do just want to bring a report from Bexhill and a good report, actually, to say we're so encouraged with all that God is doing us uh, with us in Bexhill. Um, like you, when we're meeting, we just really have a real sense of God's presence with us. We feel each week we've got new visitors uh, coming in. Our connect groups are going well. We've had our first three baptisms now in Bexhill, which is an amazing, uh, amazing afternoon. We did it in the afternoon. So we're really encouraged. And uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your prayers. You, we wouldn't have been doing it without you kicking us off. And uh, so we're so grateful for that. And uh, I know many of you have come and visited just to see what's going on so you can pray more effectively. And again, we're so grateful. We feel very connected uh, to you here uh, as this uh, our home venue, if you like. But for me anyway, it's a great opportunity to come back today. And particularly today, because we're going to be looking at the next in our Exodus series, which is the crossing of the Red Sea. So I think they give me the prize this time, uh, being able to talk about the crossing the Red Sea. Often I think, you know, they just give me the, uh, the difficult ones and um, like to see me struggle. But today we've got the crossing of the Red Sea. One of the most famous episodes in the history of the people of Israel as they're delivered out of the land of Egypt. You know, we've been looking at the Exodus story for the last few weeks and how they were slaves, oppressed and made to work so hard under their Egyptian slave masters. Moses then raised up as their leader with that cry to Pharaoh, let my people go, let my people go. And so we've seen the plagues as um, the pressure has been uh, put on to Pharaoh to let the Israel people go. And finally, after that last plague that Andrew talked about last week, the, the Passover, the death of the Egyptian firstborn, Pharaoh says, okay, just go, just go, just get out of it. And Pharaoh allows the people to go. And so we come to our story today, <clears throat> which is in Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to start reading at verse 5. I would say we're going to read the whole of the story, so it's a, a long passage, so I just want you to kind of encourage you to sit back, relax, listen to it. This is the word of God speaking to us. This is not kind of the prelude to me sharing a little bit of wisdom with you. This is the living and active word of God that we're going to read together. So we're going to read from Exodus 14 and starting at verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled... The mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. And took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army. 
and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-Hahiroth, is how I say it, in front of Bel-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us to Egypt? Sorry, out of Egypt. Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved round and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night, without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord 
saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for this story, Lord God, of your deliverance of your people, Lord God. Father, I thank you for that miracle that opened the Red Sea that they could go through and then closed on their enemies. And Father, I just pray that as we look at this story today, Lord God, Lord, I pray that it will encourage us and that it will strengthen us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, won't you take the words that I say and really uh, take them into our hearts, Lord, that we may be changed as a result. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we see the story. The Israelites finally delivered out of the hands out of, the Egypt, of the Egyptians. They move out of Egypt into the desert and on their way to the promised land. We do, of course, also see that judgment on the, de- on the Egyptians, a declaration to them of who God is. What did God say? He said, I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The Israelites themselves, too, see the power of God at work for them. And they come back to fear him afresh, to believe in him, and also to have confidence in Moses as the leader that God has raised up. It was an episode of their um, history that they frequently came back to. Andrew talked last night, last week, about the power of remembering. And for the Israelite people, the crossing of the Red Sea, God's miracle there, was something they reminded themselves of and returned to often. But it's also a story that gives us a picture of God's salvation story. We know that for those who follow Jesus, there is a deliverance, there is an escape from the bondage of sin into freedom that he offers. There's a hope and a future that God has brought us into. Jesus has overcome, Jesus has made a way of salvation open for us. We now stand, as it were, on the far side of the sea, secure on the rock that Jesus There will be a day of judgment for those who are followers of Jesus, but actually this is not something to be feared. Judgment will come to all, but for those who have put their trust in Jesus, he has already paid the price for our wrongdoing. But for any of us who are not following Jesus, it's actually a challenge in this passage here to step into the way that God has opened up through Jesus. The way to all the good things that God has in store for those who follow him. So let's just look at some of the details of the the story. This final plague had allowed um, Pharaoh, he'd come to a point of changing his mind and letting the people go. The end of chapter 12, it tells us there were about 600,000 men plus women, plus children. Also, it caused a mixed multitude, I think, where they'd intermarried, their livestock, their flocks, their herds. Commentators reckon that sounds like about two million people all on the move. And we also read that actually God didn't take them the direct way. I think we've got a little bit of a map 
hopefully. Yes, so they could have just followed the coast along the top of this picture from Egypt on the left. Yes, Egypt on the left, uh, across through the land of the Philistines up to the right. But in fact, actually, they did this big loop down and around. And God chose that way for them. He'd already said, uh, he says in his word that actually in Philistines there was going to be great wars and battles if they went that way that might be too much for them. So he rooted them round another way. And the crossing of the Red Sea that we're coming to today is just about that place called Migdol. So right at the start of their entry into the wilderness area. God was leading them by that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It's interesting when we look at the story how God led them into this place, this Pi Hahiroth uh, place, which actually was not a good military position. It was a place where the sea was behind them, the desert was in front, so their uh, opponents could come towards them. They had nowhere to go. But actually God led them there because it was a great place for a massive miracle. It was a great place for a miracle so big, so spectacular that they couldn't claim to have played any part in it. A miracle where they were completely delivered by their almighty God. The verses we read talked about God hardening Pharaoh's heart again and I just kind of wondered what that meant. And then I thought, well, actually, if he'd softened that Pharaoh's heart, it would have been, he meant he was inclined towards them. But actually it says no. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, as we saw earlier when we looked at some of the plagues, causing Pharaoh to change his mind. Maybe he'd just come to realise that actually this going out wasn't just going to be for three days' journey into the wilderness, as Moses had originally talked to Pharaoh about. This was something permanent. And so he gets his army together, 600 chariots and all the other chariots from Egypt pursuing after them. Israelites, when they see the Egyptian army coming, previously they'd gone out and it says defiantly, with confidence. But now their faith in God's ability to deliver them seems to have evaporated. So graphic, isn't it, that phrase? Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? So here they were at this Pi Hahiroth place, trapped between the Egyptian army and the sea. Seemed to me like for military historians, that would be something like the Dunkirk beaches, I think, in around 1940, when the German army had pushed them back right to the edge of the sea. There was no way of escape. And that was when that armada of small boats crossed the channel to actually take the troops back uh, to UK. That's how it felt for them, but there was no armada of small boats. They were trapped they were cornered against the sea with the Egyptian army coming towards them. This was a horrible place to be. I wonder whether you sometimes do feel like that, trapped with your back against the wall, as it were, and no way out. As we go through the story, I think it will help us if we're feeling in that sort of position. Sometimes when uh, the people of Israel are attacked by uh, foreign armies, we see God moving for them in different ways. Sometimes he'll strengthen them militarily. Sometimes he'll throw their enemy into confusion. But this time it's not going to be like that. God is going to perform a miracle 
that will speak to them for generations. Moses, the man of faith here, says, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. I think the word, you have only to be silent, uh, is from Hebrew, but I think the more literal translation is, shut up, stop your moaning. God is going to come through for you. And so we see the angel of God in the pillar of cloud move round between the Israelites and the Egyptians, waiting for the scene to be ready. So as is instructed, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. This strong east wind blew and the waters divided. The people of Israel were able to go into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters are wall on their right and on their left. I don't know, do we have a picture, Dan? I think we might have a picture. I don't know if it did look like this, but it, I thought it was a nice picture just to, to help us. I don't know if you've ever been to those big aquariums where you sort of like walk through the middle of the tank. Well, I guess it probably felt a little bit like that, except there was no glass there and uh, must have been a bit of a scary thing to actually do and walk through like that. And then, of course, the Egyptians chased after them. It says the Lord threw them into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels. And finally, they sort of grasp, oh, goodness me, the Israelite God must be behind this. So they say, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them. But it's too late. At God's instruction, Moses stretches out his hand again and makes the waters come back over the Egyptians so that not one of them remained. Just as I was reading this, you think this is a very real act of judgment. God could have just let the waters come back and left the Egyptians on the other side. That would have been okay for the Israelites, wouldn't it? They could have carried on. But it was important that God demonstrated his power, that they received the punishment for all the evil they'd done for the 400 years of captivity for the Israelites. This was an avenging of all the wrong that had gone before. And if you're like me, you don't necessarily like to dwell on the judgment and the punishment aspects of the gospel. But actually, the righteous and just outcome is that the sins of those who oppose God, who don't follow his ways, do receive their punishment. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And as we said earlier, the fact is that we will all face judgment. But for us who follow Jesus, actually he has already taken the penalty, the punishment that was ours for all the sin and wrongdoing that we've done. And so finally our passage ends with those verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Finally, the Israelites are delivered from the cruel Egyptians. They're on their way toward all God has promised them prophetically, a land where they will multiply and grow. 
This was a foundational event for them in the history of the people of Israel. Their enemies have been dealt with. God has shown himself strong for them. Although in many ways they were unworthy, they were doubting, there was questioning, there was not much faith. But actually, God brings them through the Red Sea, a real act of grace. And it's no wonder, chapter 15 is full of a song of celebration. They sing and it starts in verse 1. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my Lord and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And so that chapter goes on in that vein. There's song of celebration and it's nice to read that but we haven't got time to go through all that today. But Exodus then, this... uh, Deliverance through the Red Sea becomes a pattern for God's deliverance of his people that is seen on a number of occasions through the Old and through the New Testament. Even on the far side of the wilderness, the crossing of the Jordan River, again they go across through the midst of the river, led by the Ark of the Covenant, showing this pattern of God's deliverance again, reminding them of how God delivered them at the Red Sea. Similarly, later in the Old Testament in Isaiah, when many of the Israelites had been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the prophet Isaiah was looking for the deliverance from Babylon for them and recalls what God had done as the Exodus. And he says in Isaiah 43 and verse 16, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a whip, reminding themselves of the deliverance that God had brought for them and calling for that deliverance again as they sought to move out of Babylon. And we see it in the Psalms too. In a number of the Psalms, the Israelites again remind themselves of the deliverance that God brought them through at the Red Sea. It's a pattern in a that we also see in the New Testament too. And uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verses 1 to 5 says, For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Jesus. The Israelites had followed Moses leading through the waters of the Red Sea. Prefiguring the baptism into Jesus that we see in the New Testament. And there's a strong analogy between that baptism of believers. You can see it, can't you, in your mind as we think about the exodus deliverance. The salvation that was given to God's people through the exodus. Baptism signifies that, as at the Exodus, we've left behind a life of bondage to sin, to be born again into life with Christ. It's a key parallel to draw, that through Jesus, we're delivered. 
Colossians 1:13 says, "He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Deliverance has come for us. We're not standing with our backs to the sea waiting for God to deliver us. We're actually standing on the far side of the sea. Jesus has overcome all of his enemies and we stand in the strength of that. It's not actually, will God fight for us? Will he be strong enough? No, we stand as people who've already been delivered and saved through Jesus. The enemy of God is already defeated, drowned in the sea, if you like. It was great, wasn't it, in the worship, how we brought out just that victory that Jesus has done. The picture we see here. So I just think it's so important that we get a perspective right. We're not standing sandwiched between those who oppose us and the sea, wondering if God will come through for us. God has already overcome. Satan is a defeated foe. We stand on the far side of the sea. We stand firm on the rock that is Jesus. We are already now transferred into the kingdom of God's son. Knowing who we are in that place changes our perspective on everything. We are adopted sons and daughters of the king of kings. Forgiven, free and accepted. That's what it means to be on the far side of the sea. And I don't want to say that there won't be skirmishes. There won't be times when things feel tough, when we face opposition. There will be times when we feel our backs against the wall. But actually, God has already overcome. There's a lovely verse in John 16, 33, which I think really sums it up. And I'll, I'll just read it slowly. In this, word, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart in the midst of your struggles. You are already on the other side of the sea. You're already standing firm in all that God has done. And when time feels tough, when times feel tough, sorry, we need to stand in the strength of the victory that Jesus has won. We need to remember that just as for the Israelites, it's God who delivers. He's already defeated his enemies. It's God as the one who does eventually bring judgment. For 400 years, the Egyptians had oppressed the Israelites. Imagine how they felt for 400 years. They must have felt justice was slowing coming. But at the right time, God delivered them. God has a plan as we look from our perspective, we see how this was all about finally dealing with their enemies, freeing them from slavery, forming them into their own people. It was hard for them to see at the time. But God is the one who knows the beginning and the end. And it was God who fought for them. Eventually, even the Egyptians, as we saw, recognised that God was fighting for the Israelites. God delivered them through the miracle 
of the crossing of the Red Sea. Let's look for our own miracles of deliverance. God has already overcome. He's ready to act on our behalf. Let's expect breakthrough in those areas where you start to feel, no, I'm up against the wall here. And finally, as we come towards an end, I just want to give a word to those who aren't yet followers of Jesus. This story of deliverance only applies to those who've decided to follow Jesus. Those who've made that decision of faith. As we've seen with the Egyptians, there is a real day of reckoning coming. But today can be the day you choose life. To say, I want to cross over to that far bank. To leave my old life again behind. And to be born again as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to help you if that's a decision you'd like to make today to cross over that far side and there'll be people at the front at the end who can help you with that. But for now I thought I'd like just to pray just to really sort of let it settle into us. We're going to have the band back up in a moment. You can come up now I think. Um, And then I'll just pray and then we'll sing and just... uh, Use it as a time just to reflect that for you, if you are a follower of Jesus, actually, he has already won the victory. We are already standing on the far side of the sea, that victory is secure, that yes, struggles may come, times may sometimes feel tough, but God has already overcome. Why don't you stand and uh, I'll pray and then the band will lead us. Father, I do just want to pray first for those who feel today that life is tough, feel under pressure, feel their backs are against the wall. Lord, I pray that you will just remind them afresh today of the victory, Lord Jesus, that you have won, that that victory is secure, that because of that, we are secure. We now stand in our new identity as children of God, not with our backs to the sea, but those who have crossed over. Father, I pray, won't you help us to regain your perspective, Lord God, on those things that come up towards us. And I pray for those who are not Christians today, who've not made that decision. Maybe God has been speaking to you today. Maybe today is the day you decide, yeah, actually, I want to cross over to the other side. And Father, I just pray for any people feeling like that today. Lord, that you will give them the courage and the strength, the boldness, Lord God. Lord, to follow your leading, to follow your prompting and to step into the new life that you are offering. Maybe you're someone who's been hesitating about baptism You can see here what a powerful representation baptism is of the salvation that God has brought for us. Just as they recalled their deliverance often, perhaps God is calling you to be baptised, to identify with Jesus publicly in his death and resurrection. 
Let's just sing a song of, I hope, a song of declaration. We're standing on the far side of the fee. Our feet are secure. God's victory is won. And God will fight for us in every situation we face.